Hey, everybody. Welcome to On the Home Front. I'm John Murphy. Very happy to have you with us here live on WILI Radio. That's AM 1400 or 95.3 on the FM. We also video record our programs now, as you can see, and they're on the radio station's YouTube channel, along with all the other 5 o'clock shows. And they're there as an ongoing archive of the conversations. So if you if you just check out the uh, the YouTube channel for the radio station, you can go to the each program and get their playlist and look at all the shows. Also, they're rebroadcast on WEC the public radio station up at Eastern. Our program today will be in three sections, uh, and later on we're going to look at the Art Center East in Vernon, and also the Mill Museum has a big exhibit opening on July 1. But right now we're going to look at the Willimantic Library right here in town, a major cultural resource, has a long history, and we have the director here, Dan Paquette, with us today to update you on summer events and programs. If you have kids in the house, you might think ahead about planning how to use some of your time to get them out of the house and into a safe space with other kids, and trying to connect more to things you might do during the school year as well. So, Dan, first of all, thanks for being here today. It's good to have you in the house. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right. So maybe like a good starting point, although we have a lot to cover, is do you have some events starting real soon that might people, you know, like a good time for people to sign up? Absolutely. Yeah, we um, just kicked off our summer reading program, started this week. Um, So we have a lot of events and activities happening throughout the summer that are in conjunction with that. And this year's theme is reading through the rainforest. And so we have a whole environment, sustainability, you know, bent to all the programming that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's really fun. If you haven't been in a little while, you know, practically changed the library with all the decorations to make it feel like a little bit of a jungle in there. Ah. A little bit more than normal. Yeah. <laughs> still can't go in barefoot, though, I guess, right? No. Can't go we, all the way. We still recommend shoes. <laughs> Sounds great, though, so please do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, and it's for all ages. So if, you're, uh, if you have kids at home, you can sign them up. You, you register and you get a little game board. And so as they read, they, they get to fill off their game board and they get raffle tickets for op- opportunities to win prizes. Oh, like a passport thing? Yeah. You get to get stamped? Oh, yep. Nice. Simple like, and easy to follow. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, but it's not just for kids, too. We have um, activities and programs for teens as well as adults. The adult one, you don't have to sign up for anything, but anytime you come in and you check out a book or attend one of our programs, you get a raffle ticket to win some prizes uh, for that as well because we want everyone to just enjoy the summer, um, you know, really enjoy reading, find out that it's not always, uh, you know, boring and that you can have a good time doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have the social aspect as well. Yeah. But, yeah, there's so many things to do. And, you know, the whole beauty of the library is that it's publicly supported, so you're not talking about budget issues. And so many times when you entertain today, you involve what ends up being a lot of money. This way, it's your own creativity with the resource everybody shares. I just want to mention the website now. So anything that you hear from Dan, you can follow up, and it's all on the website, org. So it's pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, so please go so, ahead. Sure. Like yeah. one one of the ones that's been really popular, a program we've sort of redone, but we can do it in different ways. Um, next Monday, there's a jungle room, jungle escape room, uh, and so that's for pretty much all ages. You know, it, about six or seven and up, um, and you go in in little teams, and there's different challenges and puzzles that you figure out, and you try to. Ex- do you know whatever it takes to finish the final puzzle to get the sure. key to escape? Sure, uh, that sounds cool. Yeah. yeah, and those have been really popular. I mean, we've had up to eighty people do those when we've done them in the past. I think the Star Wars escape room was the most popular one. I can imagine. That. Yeah, but <laughs> you're tapping into a deep vein there. Yeah, but eighty is a good crowd, though. It was, it was yeah. very popular. See? Yeah, um, yeah right. And so they, you just come in, um, and it, you wait for your time slot, and you and your group go in and, and have a good time. Tomorrow, we're also having a, a family civics night 
um, with the Secretary of State will be there, and they'll be asking different civics questions and having fun, and they're bringing some pizza, so you should call the library and register for that if you want. Sure, that's cool. Secretary of State coming down, that's nice. Yeah. About voting and what the, and the whole process is about, that's nice. Yeah, what it, what it takes to get a bill passed and all, yeah. yeah. Everything it takes to learn a little bit more about government. Yeah. Um, for, on the adult side, um, we're also offering um, some really cool programs, um, the first one being the Rainforest Streams and Connecticut Streams. So uh, um, what's the person's, sorry, uh, Prof Professor Ben Wasserman, a PhD uh, doctoral research assistant at UConn is coming in and he's going to really dive into, you know, what it, like the water systems look like in the rainforest and how they compare and contrast with what we have here. You might be more familiar with the Connecticut systems. Sure. That's on July 11th. Uh, then if you like birds, we're having birds of the Amazons being wow. presented on July 22nd. Wow. Um, and that one is being presented by Heather Skeen. Um, she's also from UConn. So a lot of really cool programs. The one I'm looking forward to most is uh, on August 5th, and that Cynthia Pope will be presenting Geographies of Coffee. And so she'll be talking oh. about, you know, the whole coffee system and how different beans are grown in different areas and, and the peoples that grow them. And then, of course, with some samples of different kinds. So you, that one you do have to register for just so we know how much coffee to make. Sure. And that can all be through the website, right? Exactly. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's, you know, book discussion groups. We'll be, um, the, for the adults, we'll be discussing Jane Goodall's book over the summer. So, um, you know, that's a very popular, popular one that, you know, stood the test of time. She's obviously knows her knows her monkeys better than anyone else, probably. Um, the, we also have a really cool program um, called Ready for the Grade. That's a grant-funded program um, from the Scripps Family Foundation for Education and the Arts. Nice. Um, that one is helping kids who might need additional help learning how to read. Um, it's for kids rising into first through third grade, and it's a really intensive program. Um, but fun summer program where they, you know, get a little more assistance learning how to read. But in conjunction with that, we bring in the Denison Pequetasepos, uh, wow. which I can never say that. Say that. Yeah, I can't, I can't say it once ever. I don't know why I stumble over it yeah. every time. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they do a lot of uh, nature programming. And so they're tying in with our summer reading program, but also making fun and engaging activities for the kids in the ready for the grade program as well. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned this program for the really young, because this has come up on the show many times. The earliest years are the ones that set the foundation forever. And the more that you can get stimulated, which is often just idle time, doing something with it creatively triggers reactions that really build a foundation for school. And it's less of a catch-up later if it doesn't happen. And many kids are not always getting it at a young age. There's lots of reasons for it. But the bottom line is a lot of kids are missing some of this vital experience. Yeah. I, I actually right? listened to a, a podcast a couple of months ago now uh, called Sold a Story. And it was about how actually in the a lot of school systems they were teaching kids in a way that wasn't actually showing them how to read. And so there's been a lot now about the science of reading and what are the actual building blocks that help develop what you know the skills people need to learn how to read right. and so i think that is how some of our programs like ours 
got generated because kids were falling behind in reading yeah. and not picking up the basic skills they needed to learn things like phonics. Um, that's right. And if it happens at a young age, from that point on, they're always catching up. That's extra pressure, you know. Yeah. And it blocks all the real learning because then it's not fun anymore. Yeah. And and it makes every other subject harder to learn and everything else because if you can't yeah. learn the basics of reading to yeah. teach yourself more, then it's it's going to be hard to do anything, history, art, anything else. Right. So anyway, don't get bummed out about these things. Get them to the library. <laughs> get them into the library, I'm telling you. I want to ask you also, a lot of people think about libraries as books, but libraries now are also an electronic repository. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about where people can go electronically through libraries to read things at home that are not physical? Yeah. It's, we a, have, huge, it's a huge supply. Absolutely. We have a couple of great databases for people to check out. Yeah. Um, one is Overdrive. There's an app that goes in conjunction with that called Libby. And so mm -hmm. if you have either an Android or an Apple device, look for the Libby app. Um, and it ties right into a whole collection of books and materials that you can check out. It has magazines that you can check out. So if you have a favorite magazine, you can right. look at the latest issue plus a bunch of back issues going back a couple of years on most of them. Recent issues. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It, um, then we also have another one called Hoopla. Um, and the difference between those two is a little bit... It, library Insider, I guess, or something, but it's yeah. um, Overdrive works more like a physical library where there's so many copies. So if you check out one of the things on Overdrive and I want it, I have to go on a hold list for it. Sure. Whereas opposed to Hoopla, is everything is always available at every moment and the library pays as you check it out. So we don't pay just once. We check it out every time you check it out and I check it out. And right. um, yeah. So, so we track it that way. Yeah. So yeah. it's slightly different, but they're both great apps with tons of uh, resources available. Now, I saw something, and I don't know if it's still functioning, it's called the Palace Project. Yes. And that is a way to connect state and local resources, right? And the state yeah. is another whole level. Yes. It's called the Palace Project. Yeah. And, and the Palace Project is another great one, too, because it also will pull in some of the open access books. And so some of the like, classics that are outside of copyright issues. Um, so they'll pull in all those as well. So right. um, it's a great way to... It won't see everything that you have available to you, but it can see 99% of it. So. Yeah. Well, I just want to mention, in case you're listening to us on the radio, we're talking today with Dan Paquette, the director of the Willamette Public Library, about their summer programs and year-round activities. And I was wondering something, too. You've been here about three and a half years, and you've done a lot of library work in Massachusetts beforehand. Yeah. Uh, and you came in just before COVID kind of closed the doors. It's yeah. like, welcome to Willimantic. <laughs> See you in two and a half years, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, could you talk about how you adapted and tried to come through it now so vibrant and active after taking a big hit from the library point of view? Yeah, you know, it's definitely a, a big change for me because I've been in libraries for, you know, 20 plus years, right. you know, so then all of a sudden you're like, do everything you do, but do it completely differently. Um, right. And so, with, and like with no notice. Either. With no notice, yeah, <laughs> starting now. Yeah, uh, that's right. So, you know, we, we obviously closed and everyone went home, but we immediately started figuring out what can we offer online? Can we do streaming kind of things? Can we do programs virtually? Um, we started trying to figure out, you know, what to do there. And within a couple, I would say within two months or so, we fully got back into the library where we are able to check out things to people at the curb. Um, you know, so people would call up or email right. us and say, hey, we want yeah. this book or this yeah. movie or whatever it is. And we would pull it, put it in our lobby and people would come in and grab it. You know, so we because we knew a lot of our folks, you know, what it either wasn't available online or didn't want to read something online. That's you know, so right. We had, you know, every precaution we were trying to take. So, you know, 
cleaning things off after they are used and yeah. Oh yeah, because at first sit. people were very afraid of surfaces. Yes, that yeah. was early on, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine the stress, the staff, the quantity of material coming mm-hmm. in and out. That, that, that's a lot yeah. of bulk, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah. And then we were one of the first things in the town to reopen to people as well. You know, the public entities where you know we put up all the barriers and all those things, got everyone masked. Um, cause we knew we were not reaching everyone. You know, a lot of families were tired of their kids being on the screen after being on school all day. Oh, sure. And, you know, just wanted them or people just didn't want to be online doing programs and activities. So, um, when we started opening the library back up, we immediately got a lot of people back and, um, it took a little while to get back to the numbers of, you know, but since before the pandemic of oh, normal sure. checkouts and normal, you know, right. people attending programs and stuff. Wow. But um, ever since last summer, we've actually been beyond what we were before the shutdown. So it's been it's been busy. Last summer brought everybody back like regular. You know, COVID brought out the reality that that a lot of people did not have broadband. And when it came to being forced to go online hybrid, the technology at home didn't always hold up and they had trouble with it. And it really impacted the kids. Yeah. So I, you know, wonder now in the library, prior to COVID, was there a lot of online support? Or was there a community of need that was already struggling with access before COVID? And now it's like five times as many people. Yeah, we've always been a place that had, you know, access to high speed internet. So people who either didn't have internet at home, couldn't afford right. a computer for whatever right. reason, right. whatever it was, That's right. knew they could come to the library. And so we still definitely provide that. But in COVID, we also started um, circulating Wi-Fi hotspot bo- hotspots so people could check out a hotspot and bring the internet with them wherever they went. Um, you know, so they'd have to have some other device to connect to it, whether it's well, sure. like a tablet or a phone or something. But right. Right. Um, they could have internet with them wherever they went. And that's, that, cool. that's been very popular. Well, uh, did you have to get special funding for the hotspots or did you have those in-house already on a standby kind of thing? We got grant funding. Most The first set we bought with, I believe, ARPA funds um, yeah. to, to get the first initial set, but they were so popular and went out so quickly, we also got an additional grant um, from the community foundation to buy another set of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but since then, you know, we pay the annual subscription fee, but at least they, they got us off the ground in for the first year. And is the satellite location still hopping? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you should know that, of course, you know, the main office, you know, is just a few feet away from our studio here in downtown there at the 905 Main Street. But they have a satellite uh, office at uh, uh, at Boston Post Road right here, 70 Boston Post Road. Does that have a special focus as a separate satellite or what's the goal of having that space? So that we... It's at its greatest use in conjunction with the um, after-school program they have up okay. there. Um, so over the summer, it does slow down a little bit. We try to go up mm-hmm. there and, and still offer some of the summer reading programs, but right. there's a built-in crowd in that place with the after-school program, and and they just love it. And that you know, so we try to do activities and and story times and everything up there as well. Um, but we we know for some of those folks, it's hard to just come to downtown. So we want to be able yeah. to be closer to them, which is why we're also in the works to build another one at the housing authority um, down at West Ave. Um, so great. there's no timeline official yet for that, but we're, we're in the works to get that up and running as well. Cause you know, we do have some mass transit that does as much as it can, but it's still limited. And if you don't have a car, it's really difficult, yeah. even for healthcare sometimes. Yeah, and if you're on their schedule and it doesn't work for yeah. you, that, then, that yeah. limits your options. Right. So the satellite that we're talking about is at Wyndham Heights, by the way, mm-hmm. in town. Uh, 
Now, how can people help the library? You know, besides using it and showing, yeah, we have a need for these services, what kinds of donations are useful? And there's one thing I had to ask you about this collection of baking pans. <laughs> You're laughing. There's something going on about baking pans, and I love the idea. Yeah, so Please. Library of Things are, are yeah. a thing now. Um, and so uh, we have a collection where if you wanted to you know, try out a different recipe that you've never made, or but you're not sure you're going to make it again, you can come to the library, see if we have a pan that suits that kind of need. Like, I've never made a Bundt cake before. What What's that? You know, we have a Bundt cake pan. So um, okay. you come, you, you check it out like it's any other item. You bring it home, you use it please wash it. We'll, we'll wash it anyway, but we prefer if you wash it too. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, and it gives you at least the, you know, the opportunity to try out something different. Um, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people are trying to look at food in new ways and it means making food at home and getting more healthy sources of food and not just buying it all prepackaged, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's a resource. And maybe the last thing is before we close, what other kind of donations are helpful to help the library with this big mission throughout the whole year? Yeah. I know a lot of people do donate books to the library, which we will accept as long as it's not like magazines, periodicals and no textbooks or encyclopedias. Um, but we take in those other donations and um, we take whatever the library can use and then we give the rest to the friends of the library and they can sell them and which all that money goes then to benefit the library as well. Right, the, just a periodic book sales. Yes. That's yeah. great. So, you know, if you get into summertime and you're cleaning out the attic or the garage and you've got some leftover stuff, pass it on to someone. First of all, have a book being read by somebody is nicer than having it sit in a box somewhere, yeah. but also it helps the library. So, Dan Peckett, thank you very much for your good work throughout the year. And we had planned to have Dan come back in mid-August to give us an update of all the school-related fall activities. So thanks again for being here. Thank you very much for having us. Okay. Okay, we'll have a very short break. You stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back live on the home front on this Wednesday. My name is John Murphy. Very happy to be sharing some time with you. For the second part of the show, we're going to look at the Wyndham Textile and History Museum. They have an opening coming up on July 1st. And also later on, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the Arts Center East in Vernon. They're very busy right now with lots of events and programs and a couple of big exhibits. And we'll talk to Liz Bologna later in the show. The first part of the show is about an exhibit called Here It Is, and it's about the work of an artist, Justice Michelle Thomas. And this was a phone call we had with Michelle previously. Uh, she's based in New York City, and she talks about her exhibit, how it ties into Juneteenth and black history, and how the mixed media here at the Mill Museum is going to bring a lot of current life to connect with history through very interesting media collages. I'm on the phone right now, and we're going to have a segment that I recorded before with Kira Holmes, who is the Mill Museum Executive Director, and this is the part that we're going to save from last week's show. So we'll go to that right now. Many of you know already we've had the Hero Along exhibit on, mm -hmm. and that started in February, and it has a closing date of August 13th, which also has uh, potentially enslavement shackles on display. We can't prove the provenance, so we right. can't say it officially, but right. it's speculative. So you have to see these to, in order to really feel that impression. And then we have the Here It Is exhibit, which actually started on June 2nd. And that's, right. that's with Justice Michelle Thomas, and she is an amazing African-American artist who teaches and works at Pratt. And she's also going to do an opening with us where she does an artist lecture on July 1st. 
So I don't know if you want to segue into Justice since she's on the line. Or oh, yes. Let's get her here right so now. Justice, Justice, Michelle. Thank you so much for this partnership, and I'd love to hear your wonderful take on all of your artwork. I've been staring at it for weeks, and I just am so inspired. Um, I mean, I'll just start off that the work that's uh, presented in the show deals with, um, of course, a, a black diaspora, and I, it deals with race issues and identity. I do mask uh, uh, mask making work and uh, really kind of celebrating the attributes that uh, African, uh, well, I, you know, I would say, you know, African Americans, but um, you know the. You know, black diaspora, the people that have been, um, you know, kind of taken from Africa and then having this life here in America. And there's so many different intersects of stories that you, sure. know, you could tell that this is very full. Uh, but my my job is to kind of take these stories and take these lives and present them in a way that honors that history, honors those lives. Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of my my job in this world at this point. Could you briefly talk about uh, kind of the background work you're doing all the time at Pratt that was the base for or maybe a launching pad for this effort, but the larger work that you're doing beyond this project? Yeah, so the work started before Pratt. I went to uh, Central, I mean, yeah, I went to Central uh, Connecticut State University. The work really started there. Uh -huh. I, had a grad, I had graduate work there, and I... Okay, we're on the air again. We had a little technical glitch with that CD. We put together an excerpt of a previous interview with, uh, the, with the artist Justice, and it was a separate thing that we edited. And we had an audio problem, and we thought that we'd just stop it right now before it went on too long and try to fix it for you to enjoy the interview. It starts uh, uh, on, on a July 1 at the Mill Museum. It's a really powerful exhibit. It's going to run through early August. But this will be a nice chance to meet the artist uh, as she shares her work. So we'll try that again now and see what happens. Stand by. Um, just really was investigating my own identity, where I came from. I grew up in Hartford. Um, I have roots from England and I have roots from Nigeria. And those uh, roots affected, you know, my work and, and how I see myself as a black woman artist uh, coming up. And so it really started in, at Central, and then it continued at Pratt, um, taking on a more um, material life where the work really centers around the materials that is created from a mixed media artist. And again, like I said, working in metal and ceramics, so really all um, art forms. And, um, you know, so it just kind of evolved. Uh, from that place. Well, I wonder, uh, in our current environment now, the arts is so connected to social energy, political energy, and it, it's very hypercharged. And I wondered in this environment, which sometimes is unfortunately more polarized than I would like when people touch on sensitive things, uh, when you envision the audience for the event and, and the exhibit, what would you hope would be the good takeaways after they spend time and uh, the various artists, their thoughts and their, their points of view? What would you like them to take away and maybe work on and kind of spend some time with? That's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm a very open person and very accepting of, dif of diversity and difference. And so right. what I hope is that there are different eyes and different backgrounds and different people coming together to see 
a history that is not as pleasant as other histories mm-hmm. um, in that their their takeaway is that they're actually learning something different from themselves and learning something that is, you know, might be challenging or hard, but they come to the place with an open mind and open heart, and they actually try to see something beyond themselves. Um, I, you know, I can't say what somebody would take away, but if yeah. they come and they actually want to learn something, mm-hmm. it would take an open mind and open heart to actually read the narrative, see the work, connect to something different. You know, I would hope that that, you know, that would be the purpose for someone, you know, you know, taking on that venture to even see this particular show. There's a lot of verbiage. There's a lot of narrative. There's a lot of history. Um, and it's not all pretty, but it's necessary. It, it, there are beautiful takeaways. I think the, the artwork and the mask and uh, complement the verbiage very well. Um, it's, a, it's a story that needs to continue to be told. There's a history there. I think that people can take away a lot if they spend the time. Well, I just want and to maybe mention... have an appreciation for another side of culture and life that maybe is not their own. Right. Well, like I'm saying, in our times today, people, I think, are looking for connection. They know things require attention, and they know people are coming up with all kinds of ideas, good and crazy. But they're all out in the open, and that's a good thing if we come out of the spin cycle a little more sane, you know. Uh, but that's easy to say in a talk show. But I, but I really commend you for the work. When this is finished, are you working on something to follow up on this in terms of the next year and other kinds of media work for you beyond this? Um, I'm always working and I'm always thinking and writing and, and coming up with things. But the follow-through to this is there's a segment of, of my work that deals with um, community and village and my connections to Nigeria. Mm. So I'm investigating more um, cultural aspects of Nigeria to bring, because I want to bring that into my own life living here and have that represented so that I'm, um, I guess, just a mirror or an authentic self of my my roots. And so in that, the work wow. will outpour into more ceramic, more totem-like figures that embody those spiritual ancestors, if you will, from Nigeria to represent who I am as a person here, Yeah, at least an aspect of myself as a person here. Yeah, it sounds fantastic to go to the roots and drill deep down, and maybe later in the year we'll have you back with that manifests into some exhibits here in the area. We'd love to have you back for that uh, to keep, no the, problem. Yes, I keep agree. the conversations going. Now, I just yes, want to mention... Yeah, I just want to mention, in case you're hearing the radio, we're speaking right now with Justice Michelle Thomas about an exhibit that's opening now, and it's running through August 13th at the Mill Museum here in town. On July 1st is a special event that she'll be there, and we're also in the studio now uh, with Kira Holmes from the museum. So, uh, Kira, let's bring you back in now. Is there anything else that you want to mention about the event or what's going to happen that day uh, in terms of anything that connects to, uh, to you know, her work? Uh, I just want to say yeah. that this partnership with Justice Michelle Thomas has been absolutely amazing. Thank you, Justice. You have yeah. been a pleasure to work with, and I can't wait to see you again in July and really just tell you all the interactions I've had already over this exhibit. People have honestly been moved. They say it's amazing. They want to talk to you. So I am hoping we're going to have a really big opening on July 1st. No, that's great. I look forward to it. I can't wait to speak about it. 
And maybe one last thing before we let you go is if you have a, perhaps a Facebook presence or a website you want to share, if somebody wants to hear about your work more, uh, let's offer that. I do have an Instagram, which is artpeace, A-R-T-P-E-A-C-E, dash studio. It's, you know, it'll come right up. Okay. And you have a QR code, don't you, too? I do. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so I'm not sure if anyone can oh, wow. see this or not, but that's her QR code. That's a hold it closer to the microphone so I can oh. really see it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I, guys. I, I had to do it. I apologize. Trying to do show and tell. It's not there working. Okay. <laughs> see, Justice is putting up with this. Thank you for putting up with this. Craziness. No, no problem. Uh, but I wish you well. I hope to be there, you know, to see you that day, and I wish you well with the exhibit and, and, and all your good work. No, thank you for the opportunity to speak on it, and uh, I see you there. All right, take care now. Be well. Thank you so much, Justice. All righty. Thank you, Kira. Okay, we're back now again. Uh, and the website is millmuseum.org if you want to find more information about this event as well as everything else happening this summer. And uh, for our last segment today, we're going to focus on the Arts Center East, based in Vernon, just a few miles away from us. Uh, ArtsCenterEast.org is the website, and my conversation today we're going to share is with Liz Bologna, the executive director. A lot of things happening, some current exhibits, and a couple of special training workshops, and we'll hit that right now. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. You betcha. So why don't we start out with some calendar things first, just to give people a heads up, because I know you have a couple of key dates, and then we'll go into some programs and exhibits. Sure. sure. So for anyone who's catching this live, uh, we have two exhibits that are up right now. It's the last week to see them. It's our artist and poet exhibit, which mm. is coordinated by Peggy Dietz Shea, who always does an incredible job. She's been on the show. She's, She's a great so writer. fabulous. Yeah. And so she is part of the exhibit, and she dedicated this exhibit to um i'm gonna say his, oh david leff who was a, a local poet who passed away about a year ago so initially he was going to be in this exhibit and be part of it but unfortunately you know that wasn't right. able to happen so right. um right. there is a poem of his his books are included in the exhibit um and it features other local artists who are also poets so it has both their uh visual artwork and their poems uh which go together which is a really nice pairing that she's done and then the academic artist exhibit in our main upstairs gallery um also this is the last week to see that one there um 73rd exhibit of traditional realism which is Incredible. 73, that's quite 73 a series. years. Yeah, and it's really the the piece that won best in show, uh, you know, no spoilers, but it's sort of a hodgepodge of different items that all go together. But in the corner of it, there are all these like $20 bills and $1 bills. And someone said to me, oh, so it's a multimedia exhibit. And I said, no, that's an oil painting. He he drew and painted all of the details on those on those bills. So it's like two-dimensional, like a collage? Oh, it's incredible. Okay. I mean, you're going to look at it, and you're going to think that he just, like, thumbtacked $20 bills onto this canvas. It's really incredible. I know. No touching allowed, I understand. No, no. touching. <laughs> Remember that. It's you're very protected. tempting. <laughs> I get that. And then, uh, so the next exhibits we'll have, um, in our downstairs Eureka Gallery, we'll have the Ekphrastic Extravaganza, mm -hmm. which, again, is um, coordinated by Peggy Dietsche with the help of Victoria Nordlin at Rockville High School, and it's a collaboration between our artist members who provide the artwork and then the RHS uh, creative writing students they then write a poem based on this artwork so it's another example of how you know two different art forms that seem very solitary you know you sit in your studio and you paint or you sit in your office and you write but with this exhibit they get a chance to talk to each other um, so it's a nice way to, to sort of have 
yeah, two art forms talk to each other. And then we'll do um, a, a reception and a, a poetry reading for that uh, July 20th. And this will only be the second time we've had that reading because we started during COVID with this exhibit. So it was this weird, we had the exhibit, but you couldn't come see it. Or we had the exhibit, but we couldn't. Yeah. A constrained. That's true. So it's much more of a celebration now that we're able to, to bring everyone together. But, you know, something I want to pass on that came to me from a sculptor on the show a while back is he made me think about sculpting as something on the, on the, on, uh, the printed page where the sculptor uses time and intention to create something that gets left behind. And then when you get to it, you have to process it. And when you look at it, you're going to the place where the sculptor was, only now you're connecting in the same thoughts. So they think of it sometimes as a time transfer. Oh, From sure. me to you, you perceive this. What does this generate for you? By the way, I'm over here. Yep. And it's very intentional. Yeah. Well, and when right? we do this kind of ekphrastic exhibit, you know, there's the intention of the artist. And then when the artist gets to see the poem that the student writer has made, there's a lot of reactions of, I never meant that, or I never thought anyone would find that, but uh -huh. you found it, and it makes them think of their own artwork differently. It's really neat. It is. By the way, that's a term that people often don't encounter. Could you talk about ephrastic and what that really means in terms of a... Ooh. Of, of like a tableau or a technique? You are, you are testing my English literature knowledge, which I should I'm have a lot there. of. I'm but... already there. Don't worry. <laughs> so so ekphrasis is a, is a literary term that doesn't really get used, but, but it really just means uh, writing based on artwork. Mm -hmm. So oh, I'm going to get this wrong. It's really going to bother okay. me, and I'm going to wake up at 3 a.m. and remember who wrote oh, this no. poem. But there's the Ode on a Grecian Urn, which mm -hmm. is quite possibly the most famous example of this okay where i cannot remember who this poet was it's really going to kill me but anyway so the poet is looking at this this grecian vase and he sees figures on it and he creates a story based right. on what these figures are doing and there okay. are you know robert browning did this as well mm -hmm. there are, are a lot of other poets who have done it so uh it yeah it really just is this this highfalutin term for writing about a painting <laughs> Right. By the way, I want to give the website so you can connect to all these events and learn about the times and the schedules. It's a real simple one, artscentereast.org. And right now, Liz is running down the calendar of events after this one, so I'll let you, you know, just go right ahead. Well, speaking of sculptors, Please. we have yeah. a brand new um, sculpture exhibit. Um, it's all 3D artwork that's going to open July 1st, and it's the first time we've done an exhibit specifically for 3D artwork. So the jurors making her decisions uh, in the next couple days for what pieces are going to be in that exhibit, but I've seen some of the submissions, and we have woodwork, we have metalwork, we have fiber art, we have... Uh, pottery and ceramics and all different kinds of things so there's no specific theme that's going to tie it all together but it's going to be a lot of a lot of really interesting pieces yeah do you have a sense of uh in the summertime you get more activity or less people travel more or do you feel like this begins to be a busier season i just wonder it's hard to say. I would say our visitation certainly goes up as the weather gets nicer and people are out and we'll see, you know, people who've traveled from further than they normally would that come to the art center. That's hopeful. That's good news. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah. The artists themselves, sometimes it's trickier to get them to be in the exhibits or, or nail them down because some of them, they're going, you know, they take vacations or they're going to sure. artist retreats. They've got, they've got like, you know, all the farmer's markets and all of that planned. So sometimes it's harder to connect with the artists, but it's yeah. easier to connect with the public. 
That's true. Mm -hmm. And in the summertime, there are lots and lots of arts fairs, so they may be exhibiting and trying There's to There's a lot a going on. Yeah. So we have a lot yeah. to compete with in the summer, but, you know, we can hold our own. Now, you know, something that Liz mentioned to me that, that, that made me optimistic is that some artists will cooperate across different organizations to share the same work in different areas. And there's an artist that you have in your uh, group that's doing something in Tallinn. Yes. And there's examples of a lot of collaboration. So could you talk about that, how it's not a competition thing, but you're taking all this work and you're letting more people see it? Yeah, it's never a competition. Exactly. Um, one, of, one of the things we try to do in our newsletter also is highlight some of the regional arts that happen. Usually we're sort of tangentially connected to it somehow. Um, but right now, um, Joan Sonenberg, who is one of our signature artist members, uh, she has her artwork on display at Arts of Tallinn, which is really not that far from, from Vernon. It's maybe, no. you know, 10 minutes down the road. Sure, very heavily, um, yep. And we've got another student, um, a student of Jane Penfield's. Um, Jane Penfield's a pastel painter. She's been with us and teaching with us for a long time. One of her students um, is showing her artwork in West Hartford, and I wonder if I have... Oh, at the Noah Webster House and Museum um, oh, in West Hartford. So we have, awesome. Yeah, so we have a lot of artist members and students who are you know, participating in the wider arts community. We had a few of our artists who just participated in the Connecticut um, Arts and Garden tour. tour. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that was just this past weekend. Yes, it was. And they yeah. had such good weather for it, which yeah. was really they nice. Yeah. Imagine. Scott Rhodes is one of our artists who uh, right. I think he and his wife participated in, in almost every year. Yeah, they had, uh, I think it was Coventry, Wellington, and Mansfield, mm -hmm. and those three towns had quite a few people. And then they do the artist open studios in the fall, yes. which is the whole region. You know? Yeah. But that was good. The weather was very kind, yeah. Yeah, particularly for the gardens. And uh, one more thing that they're involved with for the summertime, if you happen to be a parent, is programs for young people that can connect them with some really quality time during the time when school's out. So please uh, talk to the folks out there who may want to be working with kids. Yeah, for two weeks in July, July 10th through the 21st, we're mm -hmm. running um, a two-week summer camp. Last year we did one session um, for a larger age range, and this this summer we uh, – we're, we were excited to do it again. We wanted to do more. So we're splitting it up into two sessions. So the morning session is for the five and eight-year-olds. They get to, to come in for three hours. And, you know, we're going to break up the day with, like, snacks and, like, play on the playscape. So, oh, sure. you know, we'll have a lot going on for variety. them. Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, and then the afternoon <laughs> is the nine to 12-year-olds. Um, and both of those individual sessions, they get to do all kinds of artwork, you know, beyond colored pencils and markers. They get to work with watercolors. Um, they get to try out pastels. And they get to do a lot of clay work. Last year they made puppets. They put on a whole puppet show. So at the end of the two weeks, the families got to come and see the puppetry that they did. So we're doing it again this year and we're really excited. Yeah. Now, how about your board structure now? Because you work at several levels throughout the year, the events, but there's a whole team behind the scenes oh, yeah. that makes these events happen. So you have a good time for a couple of days. Okay. And I just wonder, each group has its own variation, and it's interesting how you deal with all the energy of volunteers and coordinate things. Yes, it's yeah. always, I mean, there's so much coordination that has to go it's on. It's your so, real glue beyond the money. You know, oh, yes. Right? So, right? Oh, yeah. so we do have, we have yeah. a part-time staff of three people, which is, frankly, not a lot to run, to run a whole building with a full calendar of exhibits, events, mm -hmm. and classes. So we do rely heavily.
heavily on our board members who often double as uh, instructors who teach at the art center, but they also help, you know, run our craft fairs. They help uh, hang our exhibits. They help gallery sit. They do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also have a whole roster of volunteers on top of that who are also gallery sitting. They'll be, you know, taking tickets when we have performances. They do office work, which doesn't sound that exciting, but is really helpful to us. Sometimes that's, that's what moves the money beyond people showing up, right? Is Truly. getting all the grant reports ready, mm -hmm. and the documents all ready. All the documentation, how, the yeah. how many people came to visit us mm -hmm. each day. Oh, yeah. yeah. All of that fun data collection. So does your board structure meet every month? Is it bi-monthly? You know, how do people get involved when they want to help, you know, be on more than attending? Sure. So our board does meet um, bi-monthly, which just reminds me we have a meeting coming up at the end of this month. Perfect um, timing. It is. Yeah. We are, you know, always welcome um, or always happy to welcome new board members who are interested in you know, providing whatever skills that they have. It is uh -huh. a working board, um, uh -huh. so we do, you know, expect that if you join the board, you hope we hope that you will be hands-on with a lot of uh, a lot of different things that we have going on. And then our annual meeting, um, which is open to the public, public doesn't happen until uh, the winter, actually. So that'll, sure. I believe, will be in February. Um, so if people, you know, have thoughts and want to really have their input heard, that's the time to do it. Yeah. Yep. You know, Liz touched on something that's really important and potentially really difficult is when you look at the style of your board membership. Because I've worked in different kinds of organizations, and sometimes the organization that can't afford full-time staff requires a lot of tasks. Mm -hmm. And the part-timers only go so far. It's true. So, the, you know, in order to be real, the board members are going to have to get on the work boots. It's true. Some boards, if the organization is larger, more resources, mm -hmm. more ways to spread the labor around, then you can sit back and report and research. Yep. But that's a stress depending on the person's intention, right? Mm -hmm. It's very delicate. They mean well. Yes. But if they're not ready to do what the organization needs, apart from maybe even their interest. Yeah. That's delicate, right? It is. Yeah. It is delicate. And, you know, we want to welcome anyone who wants to be involved in the board, but yeah. it really means you have to want to be involved. And, mm -hmm. you know, that might mean that might mean helping hang exhibits. That might mean helping with grant writing or, you know, it might honestly mean helping me, you know, when a door is falling off its hinges <laughs> or those really, those really fun tasks of bailing water vacation. Yeah, somebody who's better with a hammer than I am. <laughs> or a typewriter, depending. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, these are all the ways to get involved here, and it's getting very active now that we're into the summertime. Liz Bologna is here today. She's the executive director of the Arts Center East up on Route 30 in Vernon, just a few miles away from here, actually. But the website's got everything you need to know to follow up on what Liz said today is uh, artscentereast.org. So I wish you a great summer with a great turnout for these events, and we'll touch base later in August and see how things are when you get ready for the fall. That sounds great. Okay, great to have you here. Thanks so much, John. Okay. All righty, we're back live on the show to wrap things up today again. That was with the uh, Arts Center East. Just want to mention, if you want to get involved in the program right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see an empty chair next to me because the door is open for you. If you want to join in, send me an email, john at humanartsmedia.com. We'll be very happy to get your announcements on the program. These programs also air on WECS, the radio station up at Eastern. And also, we can also have you in the studio to share your story. 
I want to mention a couple of events. Today is June 21st. It's the solstice, so happy solstice to everybody who's hearing me. And if you're on the road today, I encourage you to go to Coventry to Creaser Park. They have a Make Music Day special event from 3 to 8 p.m. tonight with people from uh, Song of Day Music in Coventry. Lots of live music happening there until 8 o'clock at Creaser Park. Also, I'm really happy to mention that the Poetry in the Park series is returning tomorrow night. It's going to be at Julio de Borgos Park. The series is dedicated to our dear friend Edmund Chabot, and it starts at 6.30 on the fourth Thursday of every month for July, August, and September. And it's from 6.30 until about 8 o'clock, though. You can bring in a chair. It's a nice space at the corner of Jackson Street and Curbstone Way. Just a short stone's throw from our studios here. And tomorrow they're going to kick off with Kate Russian and Brad Davis, and they're going to have a special open mic guest, Sarah Green, who is a published Eastern senior. So the, the Poetry in the Park series is back, and I'm really happy to talk about this. Thursday the 22nd, it's tomorrow night at 6.30, and we'll try to get some of the other people on later this summer. On Thursday night, too, I want to mention up in stores, the, the music series is going underway now. Tomorrow night is going to be the Wyndham Concert Band at the Betsy Peterson Square. They're doing these things on Thursdays through June and July up in stores. And on Friday, a couple of things happening in Willimannic at the Shabu Stage. Here's the Wyndham Concert Band. This is an event in celebration with the Wyndham Regional Arts Council. And they're going to be at 630, an 80-piece orchestra and percussion ensemble. So you're talking a full Shabu Stage live. Bring a lawn chair, enjoy the evening, lots of good music again. That's 630 this Friday. And the last thing I want to mention too, if you're in the Coventry area at 7 o'clock on Friday, is the Poetry Open Mic Night. It's their third one it's at the Millbrook Place at 1267 Main Street in Coventry. If you want to find out more, just check out the Coventry Arts Guild website, and all the information is there, coventryartsguild.org. So I'm getting my cue. Our time is out for this week. Thank you very much for sharing some of your time with us. Matt and I thank you for that, and we'll see you next time.